Welcome to the Foresight Church Podcast. Enjoy this week's sermon. For more information about us, go to foresightchurch.co.za. Hey, good morning, friends, on this Resurrection Sunday. What a wonderful worship set we had, all the musicians together. Good to see them all. Good to see them all in their own homes. Working together for this message, this meeting. My name is Chris, and it's my privilege of leading you in the service today. Children's church teacher sitting with this group of kids and they're all gathered around and she says, hey kids, what do we need to do to be with Jesus? Do we need to do good things? And all the kids said, no, good deeds can't save us. She said, okay, and what happens if we give all our money away? Can we buy salvation? And they all said, no, salvation is not bought. And then she says, so what do we need to do to be with Jesus? And one of the little girls puts up her hand and shouts, you gotta die. Well, friends, that's true in many instances. I do believe, though, however, that many of us will live to see Jesus face to face when he comes to fetch us with the rapture. We're on our way to meet with him and he's coming soon. Today, it's my privilege to talk to you about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, an incredible story. We're going to pick that story up in John chapter 20. Now, I really like epic movies, uh, movies I can watch over and over again. Uh, a storyline, right? Uh, Forrest Gump, Gladiator, uh, The Patriot, you know, Mel Gibson's one, uh, The Last of the Mohicans, uh, Last Samurai, Troy, Braveheart, American Sniper, you get the picture. The common theme in all of these is there is an underdog or just a normal Joe Soap who rises up to become a champion, a hero. With most of these, there's one thing that they have in common, and that is that the hero goes through adversity, overcomes great difficulty, even mostly in himself, and then he conquers. And in most good epics, then he dies. American Sniper, at least you had the opportunity to see the burial. For me, a great epic is when you are mesmerized, when you are enraptured, and you sit in your chair in the cinema, befuddled. And you ask yourself, what has just happened? You think about that movie for weeks. This is how the disciples felt, I believe, but on a much deeper level, obviously, when Jesus died. Dumbstruck. Confused. Punch drunk. Lame. Hopeless. In despair, despondent, and every other adjective that begins with a D. So in John chapter 20, Mary Magdalene, early in the morning, while it's still dark, she runs off to the tomb to be with Jesus where he was, his final resting place. When she gets there, the tomb has been broken open. 
She runs back to the disciples. She says to Peter, Peter, John, they've taken him. Peter and John run down to the grave. John outstrips Peter. John gets there first. He's afraid to go in. And Peter whoops past and goes straight in. And he, he sees the burial cloths wrapped up, folded, laying where Jesus had been. Finally, John goes in. Can you imagine the despair? Not only have they killed Jesus, but now they've taken his body as well. The Bible says he saw and believed. And in brackets it says, they had yet to understand from scripture that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. They believed, but they didn't know what they believed. Behind the scenes, you see, Jesus is preparing a kingdom. Behind the scenes, Jesus is preparing a kingdom. Mary Magdalene is devastated. She stays back at the grave while the disciples return to their homes. What now? It's all over. I can imagine Satan whispering in her ear. You were there at the cross. Didn't you hear Jesus said, it is finished? Could you imagine Satan whispering in her ear? You were at the cross. You saw him die. You heard him say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You can imagine the torment in her soul. This is Mary Magdalene, out of whom Jesus had driven seven demons. Could you imagine her thinking, what if each one of those demons comes back and brings seven worse with each one of them? And as Jesus had said, the end state would be worse than the previous state. Could you imagine this woman's torment? And she's hanging on to threads. She's at the grave. She is crying. She looks into the grave. And at the head and the foot, where Jesus had been, on that burial bench, there were two men, two angels. And they said to Mary, woman, why are you crying? Now, it should be pretty obvious, right? But obviously they have a lead, an intro into the story. They have taken my Lord away, she says, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it? You are looking for now thinking she was the gardener she said sir if you have carried him away tell me where you have put him and i will get him jesus says to her mary she turned towards him and in aramaic she cries out rabboni which means my teacher jesus said do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to my father. 
Go instead and tell my brothers that I am returning to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. And she returned to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she had told them all these things. And I'd like to interject such a profound portion of scripture here to understand why Jesus said, don't hold on to me. I have yet to return to my God and your God, to my father and to your father. See, just a little bit after that, he says to Thomas, you can touch me. But to, G to Mary, he says, you can't touch me. What had happened in between? Well, here it is in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. When Christ came as a high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. Hebrews 9 starts off by saying that everything that has been made on earth is a picture of the actual in heaven. He went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. That is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood. Jesus went into heaven to present his blood before the throne of God. Once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Let's carry on reading from verse 23 of Hebrews 9. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. Talking about earth. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Talking about the blood of bulls, goats and lambs. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us. In God's presence, Christ had to take his sacrifice to the throne, to the altar that's in heaven. That is the real of which the temple in Jerusalem was only a copy, a replica. He had to bring the perfect sacrifice to cleanse sin, to atone for sin once for all mankind in heaven. And then obviously he returned later. To meet with his disciples. Jesus said. Mary. Friends. One word. From Jesus. Can change your life. I know in my spirit. And we've been praying for this. That this word. One word from Jesus. Will change your life today. One word from Jesus. When he calls your name. Will change you forever. I'm praying that God today. Will speak a word into your spirit. Behind the scenes, Jesus was preparing a kingdom. What does resurrection mean today? Well, I've got a few points. Firstly, if you believe in Jesus, you will live and you will not die. John chapter 11 verse 25 says this, Jesus at the resurrection of Lazarus says to Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asks her, do you believe this? Friends, point number two. There is hope even beyond this world. There is an eternal hope. 
1 Corinthians 15 verse 9 actually challenges us and says, If we have hope for this world only, we are to be pitied. Pitied more than all men. There is a hope beyond this world. Where is Jesus now? And what is he doing now that he's resurrected and ascended? Well, firstly, he is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse, end of verse 19 into 20 and 21. It says, that power is the working which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That is Jesus, seated and ruling. Second point, what is Jesus doing today? He is preparing a place for you. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I am going to prepare a place for you that you may be with me where I am. And I am coming to fetch you, to take you back, to be with me. Jesus is preparing an eternity for you with him in heaven. The third point, what is Jesus doing? Well, Jesus right now is preparing to come back and to judge the living and the dead. I want to tell you that when Jesus came the first time, he came as a lamb. He came as a baby in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. He came humble in the form of a man. Jesus is coming back as the rider on a white horse on his Leg is emblazoned king of kings and lord of lords. He is whipping out his sword. He is coming back to judge this world. He is coming back to take us to be with him. Jesus is coming back not as a little lamb. Jesus is coming back as the roaring lion behind the scenes. Jesus is preparing his kingdom. So why is he taking so long? Can't he come now? I know with the mayhem in this world, we, we truly need Jesus to come back soon, do we not? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, but he is patient with you, not wanting one person to perish, but everyone. To come to repentance. When will Jesus come again? Well he will come. When the last person has had the opportunity to say no to Jesus. So what do we do with the resurrection of Jesus? Well the Bible teaches us we pray. What do we pray for? Well we pray that we would understand the power of his might. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We pray that that power would be revealed to us, that we would live in the resurrection power of God. What else do we pray? Well, Romans chapter 8 says that we need to know that if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, if that Holy Spirit dwells in us, he will give life to our mortal bodies. We pray that our mortal bodies will be healed and restored. We also pray for others who are sick. The resurrection power of God lives in us. 
What else do we pray? Well, we pray for the salvation of the planet. We pray that people will come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior so that when he comes again, they will go with him and with us and we will meet Christ and live with him together forever. I want to end off with this quote from A.W. Tozer. We can afford to follow him to failure. Faith dares to fail. The resurrection and the judgment will demonstrate before all worlds who won and who lost. We can wait. May this Resurrection Sunday be the day that Jesus breaks through into your life. Let us pray. Father, thank you that the death of Jesus Christ and the grave was just the beginning. It seemed like an end. And many people today are stuck in some form of bondage where they feel this is the end. But thank you, Lord, that today the resurrection message is that this is only the beginning. I pray for my brothers and sisters gathered here to listen to this word today. I pray in Jesus' name that as they listen, that you will open their spirit to understand the power of God, which is the resurrection power of Christ at work in us right now. Father, you meet our needs. Jesus, you give us a hope of a future. If we only have hope for this world, we are to be pitied more than all men. One thing we know, there will be a resurrection. We will rise. We will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. We will be like you, Jesus. I pray for resurrection hope. And as Mary was changed at the grave from a sobbing, hopeless mass, to a woman who went back and proclaimed the glory of God to the disciples. I pray that there will be a change even in our midst right now. Father, for those who are inwardly in despair and hopelessness because of situations, may you, oh Father, give us right now the resurrection power of Christ to rise up from that grave in which we find ourselves and to live a resurrected life. In Jesus' name, be glorified, Lord. Let your kingdom come. Amen. So I want to greet you today. As the disciples greeted one another after Jesus' resurrection, they would say, Maranatha, Jesus, come. They expected him any moment. His coming is soon. Maranatha, Jesus, come. God bless you.